This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Somehow the Miami Dolphins just keep on winning, and you know, that's pretty much keeping us in a good mood. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. My name is Jake Mendel, and always joining me is Josh Houts. And Josh, even before we plug the social media, even before we talk about our Cheeks jersey giveaway, I gotta bring this up, man. You know, I mentioned it last week going into uh, the, the Chargers game that I cut my hair and that put our whole winning streak up in the air in doubt. And a lot of a lot of people came at me on Twitter. How dare you? Why would you cut your hair? Take one for the team. But I think I got to bring this up. Justin Herbert, after losing to the Miami Dolphins, decided to copy me and he cut his hair, Josh. He needed some sort of change and he decided to follow my pathway. What does that say about the, the Los Angeles Chargers? He looks like he just had his 10th birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese and, you know, decided to look his best. It's uh, – I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm i I'm 100% supportive of everyone that was giving you crap online because that, that was a real risky move to cut your hair, but it, it worked out in our favor, and uh, I, I don't know what Justin Herbert did. He, he was a broken man, and he was – we saw we all saw the video of how confused he was. It was clear that the Dolphins broke him, and, and that haircut proves it. Man, it is so cool that for once our team is the team that that's – confusing other teams. I mean, it, for years it was, you know, a confused Joe Philbin on the sidelines. It was Adam Gase rolling his eyes into oblivion, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, Josh, this whole week has just been pretty excited for me uh, in the sense that I had a dream about the Dolphins, and, you know, I, I hope that isn't too weird. And they trailed the Panthers by 14. I don't know any details to how the game ended, but they lost by three. And I got to say, I woke up this morning so disappointed just by the fact of, you know, the Dolphins have lost games my entire life, and mostly it's anger and frustration. But I was just very disappointed because I'm like, man, the Panthers, we're better than the Panthers. And just that concept of, hey, the Dolphins are one of the better teams in the NFL. Pro Football Talk had them ranked inside of their top five in power rankings. They're half a game outside of the AFC East with, what, seven games left in the season. I mean, there is a there's a certain tone around this team, and... It's just worth talking about it because this isn't something I've felt in a, ever, I think, as a Dolphins fan. You think about the 
the Adam Gase playoff run, I mean, there was a six-game winning streak in there when things kind of seemed out of reach, and they're winning in these unorthodox ways. Uh, they weren't good on offense, they weren't good on defense, but they somehow uh, won games, and the Wildcat was another thing where a lot of trickery was involved. Is it safe to say everything right now is feeling very different as a Miami Dolphins fan? It does, and we joke, and I'm much older than you are, but... I mean, I don't know ever in my life, and those date back to, you know, the Marino days and those good defenses in early 2000s. I don't know that I've ever been this excited or felt this confident going into games than I do this year. And, you know, it's just a wonderful feeling to have. Um, you mentioned that defensive stuff, and we talked about it in previous podcasts. You know, we were just waiting for Brian Flores to, you know, make this defense his own and start to see why he was the head coach of the Dolphins, to see why he was that mastermind. That completely fools offensive coordinators, and you see it. And Josh Boy, you got to tip your hat to him because, I mean, he fit in there with Patrick Graham going to uh, the Giants. He came right in, you know, great secondaries coach, fit right in a defensive coordinator. They're not even missing a beat. I mean, uh, we see the pressure they're getting. We know how good the secondary's been. It's been a total team effort, and you just love to see it this early on because, like you said, they're going into these games and we got you know the Broncos and the Jets and the Bengals and they got a very favorable schedule from here on out yes we know that uh, week 17 game I, I mean I'm hoping and praying that you know that game is for the division because how awesome would that be um, but it's just awesome to see that the Dolphins are in these games and that we can just expect them to go up there and handle business and I mean that's really what we expect right we don't expect them to go up there and if they come out of this game with anything other than a W I think everyone is going to be disappointed in the outcome everyone's going to be disappointed in the trajectory of the season is going to go completely out of whack. I mean, it's just kind of what it is when you're only playing 16 games. But, you know, and even that Chiefs game coming up, but we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, before we get into the news, I want to remind you guys, you can find us both on Twitter. I'm at jmendel94. Josh is simply at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. And if you're enjoying what you're listening to, hit that subscribe button, leave a review. If you do those two things and you send us proof that you did it, it's all we really ask for, nothing too much, a little screenshot, you will be entered in to win a free Sutherland Kinley jersey. Uh, just because we felt like doing something nice for all you guys, we enjoy you guys being our listeners. We enjoy you guys reaching out to us on Twitter. I love getting random tweets. Uh, uh, Cheeks is in the backfield, you know, when he lined up his fullback for uh Sylvan Ahmed's uh, running touchdown to begin the game last week. So simply hit that subscribe button, send us a screenshot of your subscription and your comment, your review. You'll be entered to win that Cheeks jersey. That drawing is going to come after the Dolphins beat the Jets. I'm going to lock that one up. Josh, what do we have for the news this week? Uh, yeah, they're definitely going to lock up that one against the Jets. I mean, that's just another bye week. Uh, as for the news, all coaches are now back at practice after the, after the COVID-19 issues. I believe the entire league has moved into the intensive uh, COVID protocol. Seems so I think so, they yeah. all have to wear the masks. They all have to, uh, you know, I think everything's virtual. So I think the Dolphins, from what I'm understanding, have already been in this since, you know, they have had some players test uh, positive. But uh, we'll see how that affects these teams moving forward. We got to talk about Salvin Ahmed. I mean, the hype's growing on him. He had, what, 22 touches, 90 yards, a touchdown. I mean, Moving forward, and this is the biggest question. We know Jordan Howard's out of the, out of here now. We know Matt Breed is questionable. I think he practiced. They could come back. Uh, could see him this Sunday. And then DeAndre Washington. I mean, they made that trade for him. But the biggest thing for me is what do the Dolphins do when Miles Gaskin comes back? Mm -hmm. And Eric Studsville, the Dolphins running backs coach, say they're not even thinking about that right now. But how do you see these running backs shaping up, you know, once Miles Gaskin's healthy? And, and how do you see Salvin Ahmed moving forward? Because, I mean, this has been two pretty impressive performances from a guy that, you know, many people never even heard of until this season. You know, he kind of walked right in and took the job. That That's kind of what the Dolphins were asking Miles Gaskin to do. And while 
again, I don't think any of us are going to say Miles Gaskin played poorly, but th there's a certain ceiling to the type of style he plays. I'm not going to plug myself too much here, but I'm thinking tomorrow I'm going to have some sort of uh, video on Twitter, uh, a post on the Finsider to go with it, about just how the Dolphins have focused on this running a game. I think it was Teddy Carras, uh, our boy there, said that the team has been focusing on run blocking, and it's all up to the, the running back there to kind of take advantage of opportunities. I mean, four yards per carry, I mean, I won't, I don't think anyone's going to say Ahmed let the let the world on fire, but what he did is he did enough to show that, hey, he's possible, or excuse me, capable of really holding on to this position, at least for the remainder of the season. I think what the Miami Dolphins running back coach said it kind of puts it best. Don't even think about Miles Gaskin coming back because that'll be a bridge you cross when you get there. Opportunities are born in the NFL a lot of different ways, and, and right now, I mean, I'm not saying Ahmed, you know, is a, is the top tier running back we've been looking for. But I mean, he's a very consistent guy. He finds the first little area of space and his legs never stop moving. Gaskin's more of that slow methodical. I'm going to dance around a couple guys and try to get the three, four yards. Ahmed kind of just sees a little hole and he will burst through it, get those four to five, even six yards at a time. And that's what I really like out of him. That's what I'm really seeing. So as of right now, I mean, you mentioned Matt Breida coming. He likely, it looks like he's going to be back. He participated uh, fully in practice on Thursday uh, when we're recording the show. But I mean, it seems like it's going to be his job. He's just a very clean player. He gets what he gets the yardage you're looking for. And when the Dolphins, and we'll get into this when we talk about our three games for the Denver matchup, he just keeps the chains moving. And that's really what the Dolphins need. They don't need a guy to break off the 70-yard touchdown runs. They don't need a guy to catch 15 passes out of the backfield. It's just that simple. In the second half, the Dolphins are leading games. They got to keep that clock moving. Josh, moving on here, though, we have some wide receiver, quote-unquote, news, I guess. Antonio Callaway has been promoted to the active roster. Uh, he's been signed there. But... A lot of people might think that, hey, you know, he's going to be a guy who can help the Dolphins really change things up. But I want to keep in mind that Brian Flores mentioned that this team isn't going to have just, you know, a player jump from 10 snaps up to 60 snaps. It's not going to be someone's going to jump right in that Preston Williams role. They're going to do a lot of different things. So there's two players I think we should bring up here. And first is Jakeem Grant, who had a day on, on Sunday with four catches for 43 yards and a touchdown. His first receiving touchdown of the season and also a big punt return. Josh, what have you seen out of Jakeem Grant that makes you think maybe that in rushing Antonio Callaway out there or rushing anybody out there uh, might be kind of a knee-jerk reaction when guys like Jakeem Grant are showing they're capable of being consistent contributors on the offensive side of the football? And that's the most important part and exciting part about all of this is, you know, that Jakeem Grant is showing that he's capable of it. And we talked about on previous podcasts, you know, it has a lot to do with that speed, his ability to make get separation at the top of those routes. Because let's be honest, the cornerbacks in the NFL, any of those defensive backs, they got to, you know, they got a game plan for Jakeem, Jakeem Grant, unlike anyone else. We know Antonio Callaway does have a lot of that similar speed, but uh, for me, it's just Jakeem Grant's finally making the most of his opportunities. And we always, you know, talk about how he is as a returner. And, you know, that kind of gets overshadowed. And we love how his, he has all the speed, but we just wanted him to bring it all together. You know, he's finally getting those opportunities to prove that he can be that guy. And as for Malcolm Perry, you know, you have it here. His snap count rose from 14% to 38% to 40% last week. So he continues to see more playing time. We know Malcolm Perry. We all remember that video from training camp. Him and Tua Tungavailoa, they already have, you know, chemistry together they're already going out there and making plays I think you know Malcolm Perry might see more targets than even Antonio Callaway because for as much and you know as excited as we are to see him go out there and hopefully become that wide receiver that we saw glimpses of in uh Cleveland he needs to make the most of his opportunities and mm -hmm. I, I think you know until he gets out in that field and and he 
puts in some of that grunt work that some of these guys have already done throughout training camp and practice and get acclimated to this offense and really forge a role. I think until that happens, we're going to see plenty more of Jakeem Grant and Malcolm Perry. But, you know, them bringing him up, uh, Antonio Callaway, up to that 53-man roster, that does speak volumes because I don't think now they can protect him. You know, now if they, if they get rid of him, uh, I think, you know, it's good written. So, so we'll see how it plays out. I think he's definitely a talent that the Dolphins are excited to have this late in the season. But, you know, Jakeem Grant, hat tip to him because he's playing hell of football right now. Yeah, I think we first kind of touched on Malcolm Perry that the fact he really started to get snaps when Tua became the quarterback, you know, rising, like you said, from that 14, 38 to 40. Obviously, 38 to 40 is not a huge jump, but what you see is him getting a fair share of work and he's getting that opportunity in front of Callaway. And uh, CK Parrott, friend of the program uh, from three yards per carry, he kind of was praising Malcolm Perry's vision this morning. And that's worth noting because he only had one carry for six yards last week, but it came out of the Wildcat and he really had to dance around and he actually adjusted uh, the side of the field he was on in, able, in order to get those six yards. So that vision he is showing is great to see, especially for a rookie uh, this early in his career. We brought up he's a seventh round pick, so it's going to take time. The fact that this early in his first season, he is really contributing is great to see. And Jerome Baker, I believe it was, said he is one of the hardest guys to tackle with the ball in his hands. And I mean, that's the type of Tua offense the Dolphins are hopefully going to develop in the upcoming years. The guys who, like we saw at Albert Wilson for years, that, that Bears game is that perfect example. And Jakeem granted the same thing. The Tua offense is going to be a lot of just getting the ball out of your hands as quick as possible, understanding defenses, understanding reads, getting the ball in someone's hand and letting them do all the work. And Malcolm Perry certainly fits that mold. But hey, let's take our quick break here. You'll hear from our sponsors. Then we'll dive into Dolphins 6-3 and three, heading into Denver, who are 3-6. and six. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jake, we did it again. You know, a few, I think it was last week we sat there and went an entire podcast without, without even talking about the throwback jerseys. Now we just went, you know, the first 15 minutes without even talking about Zach Sealer signing a new contract. Boy. This is a guy it's that, you know, your fault. it's your boy. You're supposed it, it, to be all over is, him. Yeah, I, I should have known this. I was just way too excited. And it's funny because, you know, a couple of weeks ago, yeah, our, our good pal, Daniel Eliason, who, you know, gave us our first chance over there, at, what, cover 32. He was making jokes. So every time I say Zach Cesar needs more snaps, what is he, your son? What is he, your son? The Dolphins obviously like what he's doing because they inked him for a uh, two, an extension through 2023. He's now making $8.041 million. That was a heck of a lot more than the two-year deal he had that was worth 1.5 uh, through 2021. So uh, 
you know, this is just proof that the Dolphins, these low-risk, high-reward signings, once these guys prove that they have a role, once they prove that they are exactly what Brian Flores wants, they reward these guys. And we've seen it now with Zach Sealer. We've seen it with Eric Rowe. And, it, you know, it just continues to happen. And it's awesome to see these guys and their hard work pay off. But he did say he is going to continue to live in his RV. <laughs> so uh, well-deserved Zach Sealer. You're one of my favorite players. And I'm happy they are going to be around the Miami Dolphins for another couple of years. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's just cool to see, like you said, that work ethic really develop into something. This guy is out here making plays, and it's another example of an injury is providing an opportunity. You never know where your opportunity is going to come in the NFL. Sealer, I believe, was on the Ravens practice squad. He was cut from there. The Dolphins pick him up. Devon Godshaw goes down, and, and Sealer really shows he can be a, a legitimate impact player in the NFL. So that depth, that, you know, diamond in the rough that we've been screaming about that Brian Flores and Chris Greer love to hunt for. I mean, that's really apparent in someone like Zach Sealer. But, Josh, let's talk about it here. Dolphins, Broncos. Broncos are three and a half home underdogs. Uh, they've held, been held under 20 points five times this year. And <laughs> I don't even know how I want to say this, but, I mean, I guess I was dumb enough to watch the 0-3 Broncos versus the 0-3 Jets both Mace. Basically because we know that Drew Locke, he's a big question mark this game. He's week to week dealing with a couple injuries. So I wanted to watch this guy, uh, Brett Rippon. That's how they pronounce his name is just Rippon. I wanted to watch him play. And I got to say, that's basically how he plays. He rippens the ball. He just rips it left, right. He sends it everywhere. If you want to fire me after that one, I certainly understand. But this guy has a big arm. But... He, you, you can kind of tell he's new in the NFL. He is very careless. He had three interceptions against the Jets. Two of them came when the Broncos were leading. You can kind of get an idea of their type of play calling. If you're having a rookie quarterback kind of air it out 10, 15 yards down the field, when you're leading against the Jets, that you know kind of tells you everything you have to know. But, I mean, this guy is perfect to play against the Miami Dolphins defense. We heard Keenan Allen after Sunday's game say that how confused the Chargers were and how they were forced to run the ball because they were afraid of making mistakes. This guy seems like he is seven, eight mistakes waiting to happen, and the Dolphins are really going to be able to take advantage of that. Uh, the one concern I do see, though, like I mentioned, he does have a huge arm, and, and the Broncos have some good playmakers in Noah Fant and Jerry Judy. And so... In this wacky world we live in, being Dolphin fans, I'm not saying the Dolphins are going to lose, but the path to them losing starts with them playing too carelessly against someone like Rippon. Just for the fact he has a big arm, he's going to take those shots downfield, and we could see some opportunities uh, to beat the Dolphins in the form of the deep pass, right? We saw Christian Kirk really uh, show Byron Jones what is up in that Cardinals matchup. We saw a tight end get behind Byron Jones in the end zone, muscle a ball right out of his arms. So that's probably the blueprint the Dolphins are going to need to defend against. He's going to air out that ball. But Josh, that's kind of all I have on there. Is there anything you want to add before we get into our uh, our signature three keys for this game? I do need to apologize. You had to sit there and watch Scotty Rippon uh, try to throw the football around. Uh, I, it, it does look like Drew Locke was limited today in practice, so they are, I do believe, hopeful that he may be able to play uh, Sunday against the Dolphins, but I don't know that it really matters, and I think, you know, everyone kind of bought into the Drew Locke hype last year. We saw what he was able to do, and, you know, we kind of always get, like, everyone, you know, the national media, everyone kind of always gets wrapped up into the flavor of the moment, and, you know, we needed to see it go from from his rookie season, you know, to this year, and we just don't see it. It's not the same Drew Locke that, you know, the Broncos, mm-hmm. everyone thought they were building around last season. So um, there's definitely going to be mistakes that can be made, and as we saw last week with Justin Herbert, as we saw, you know, week after week, Brian Flores and his staff, they're going to have a game plan, and um, 
I'm just going to transition right into this first key because this to me is the biggest one. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's something that we've seen from the Dolphins in the past, but I don't know that we're going to see it from the Brian Flores team. And that's just don't get caught sleeping. You have written here, the Broncos are not a good team. Um, and that should scare us. You know, we in the past have played down against some of these teams who aren't as talented as the Dolphins. And right now, I mean, there's a lot of teams in the NFL that are not as talented as the Dolphins. But this is a Brian Flores coach team. It just seems differently. And, you know, you can look at some of their targets that they have. And we know they're going to try to get the ball to, to Noah Fant, who was limited today. Jerry Judy, who is their big playmaker with Cortland Sutton out. But if you can force them, if you can stop that run with Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, if you can stop that run and force one of these quarterbacks to make a play on you and bring that blitz and confuse them pre-snap with that zero blitz look that we continue to see, it's going to be a long day for them. And I just cannot believe that they are, what, three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game? I mean, some if you're a betting guy, you need to smash that because the Dolphins should absolutely annihilate the Broncos. And, I mean, I just I think the only way that this is going to be a close game is if the Dolphins get caught sleeping. And, uh, you know, that's our first key. Don't get caught sleeping. Yeah, the Dolphins really force opposing teams to put perfect drives together. You know, we mentioned it. The, the Christian Kirk touchdown seemed like the easiest drive of, of all time. But the Dolphins do a really good job of forcing teams to nickel and dime you down the field. And that provides so many opportunities. All it takes is one sack. All it takes is one holding penalty to really get an offense at a rhythm. We saw it here in, in Miami, in, you know, Massachusetts, but I'm using Miami. Uh, as an example where, you know, it was the Ryan Tannehill years where we couldn't have one offensive lineman who would go a game without getting penalized. Um, shout out Travis Wingfield, Miami Dolphins podcast, Drive Time. He was praising uh, Byron Jones for catching a speedy receiver. I, I think it was Guyton. Uh, on third down, where if he broke that, it was like a third and nine. If he broke that, he could have gone for the touchdown. It could have been a momentum switch. But instead, he was tackled behind the line to gain. The Chargers, playing their conservative game, were forced to punt the ball away. And that's just kind of an example of what I'm talking about here by the fact that the Dolphins are allowing 5.6 yards per play, which is 17th in the NFL. The Broncos have 20 passes of 25 yards or more. They obviously love to go deep. But it doesn't always work for them because they have the eighth best mark with those deep passes, despite being 26th in points per play at 5.1. So you could note it, it, that it kind of screams it in itself. They're going to shoot the ball down the field. They're going to go for those big chunk plays, but it doesn't always work out. And I think the talent of the Dolphins is more than enough to really kind of contain this Broncos defense. So like, like you hit on, don't get caught sleeping. I think it's that simple. And you know, we didn't even mention Hamler or Tim Patrick, so... The Broncos definitely have some weapons that the Dolphins are going to have to worry about. They have to come into this game with a plan in place, and they have to go out there and execute. And I think it all comes down to that. I think you're 100% right. And I think if they can go out there and they can get that pressure and they can shut down those wide receivers, it's going to be a long day, and the Dolphins should have success. That's all we can really ask for. The second one is just kind of more proof of the process, and that's for the Dolphins to play clean football. And, you know, that doesn't mean there isn't going to be penalties. It doesn't mean there aren't going to be fumbles like we saw last week, uh, the fumble on the exchange from Kras to Tungavaloa that led to a touchdown for the Chargers. But what I mean by that is just showing up on the defensive end of the ball, playing that football game that, hey, maybe if they give up 14 points, they don't get blown out. Hey, on special teams, we still continue to show we're the stronger unit, despite maybe there won't be a block punt, despite maybe the fact Grant won't return one. It's basically playing good football without these big game-changing plays. I think that is a real big key for the Dolphins because sustainability is so such a big word around this Dolphins team. The only reason they're being ranked as high as number five is the idea that they can sustain this type of pressure on offense, on defense, on special teams. And 
it doesn't have to be the big time plays that I want to see against Denver. It's the fact they're still moving the ball down the field, scoring, you know, whether it's Tua completing six, seven passes in a row, staying clean. Obviously, he's going to throw an interception at some point. Every quarterback does. But it's the fact that, hey, just because we have one interception, just because we have one fumble, maybe a team scores a touchdown. It doesn't snowball. That's an issue the Dolphins have had for so many years. But playing that clean football, making a stop after a big play, keeping balance on in terms of uh, just sustaining drives on the defensive and offensive side of the ball is going to be really key for the Dolphins here. And that's what I'm really hoping to see. We got to set the bar higher for this team in terms of consistency because that's what they're going to have to you know need in order to have that game against Buffalo really mean something in week 17. And that's what we're ultimately hoping for is for that game, you know, to be for all the marbles. Um, You talk about staying clean and, you know, playing smart football. And to me that the biggest thing is just the way the Dolphins offensive line looked last week. I mean, Mm -hmm. going up against uh, Melvin Ingram, you mentioned on the last podcast, I mean, he was a ghost. He was on a uh, milk cart because he just did not do anything statistically. I mean, he was completely, uh, you know, a non-factor. And that's what they got to do this week because uh, Austin Jackson will be going up against Bradley Chubb. And that's going to be, you know, a battle. And, you you know, Tua gets the ball out really quickly. I think we all know that. And we know that that's the way this offense fits. But, um Getting at the quarterback and rattling to it is going to ultimately be, you know, how these teams figure out a way to stop this offense and mm-hmm. win these games against us. So uh, we need it to be a complete game and we need to continue down the path, like you said. Yeah, because I, I don't think it's fair to expect that every game that you're going to get the big play on offense or a sack fumble for a touchdown or even a punt return. So I just really want to see a group that just provides some consistency that looks like a well-oiled machine that game in and game out, especially against bad teams, are their floor, their their lowest potential outcome is still good enough just because there's a certain level of consistency in all three facets that they can really just do enough to pull out a victory even if they don't have their best stuff. I think that's what we need to ask about the Miami Dolphins moving forward. And Josh, the third thing I wrote down here isn't really a key as much as it is something I want to see develop, something I want to see evolve, and that's figuring out the second half of games. The Dolphins average 18.1 points per game in the first half. That's 0.6 points behind the Saints for the best mark in the league. And they're almost an entire point above the Packers, who are third at 17.2 points per game. Now, when you look at the other side, the Dolphins are averaging 9.8 points in the second half, the 29th best ahead of Carolina and the two New York teams. This isn't great. But it isn't bad. What the Dolphins are trying to do in the second half is develop the right game plan because they're not as much worried about scoring points as they're about just kind of melting the clock. Uh, We remember hearing gripes about that Chan Gailey uh, play calling against the Jaguars in the second half. Why did they stop scoring points? And I think the same thing was apparent a few weeks later. I I don't think it was the Cardinals, but Josh, who'd they beat before the Cardinals? I'm blanking out. Rams? It was in the Rams. The second half of that game, the Rams started to make it a little close. The offense really couldn't do much, and that's understandable. But what the Dolphins are trying to figure out here is just how to consistently get four or five yards of play because you just want to melt clock. You know, it's not always about just scoring points. I mean, it is. Yes, the point of the game is to score the most points. I get that. But what I'm trying to get at here is after punching teams in the mouth in that first half, you want to just run the clock out in the second half. You want to give opposing teams as little of a chance as possible, as least amount of possessions as possible to form a comeback. So basically what I'm trying to get here is figure out that second half, whether it's Savan Ahmed coming in, being that guy who can get you four to six yards in every play and really just move the chains, or it's Tua just 
being comfortable with a dink and dunk offense that is near perfect, one of those two routes are going to have to be the way the Dolphins melt games because I don't think it's really sustainable to you know, score 18 points in the first half, 18 points in the second half. This team is averaging 27 points a game. That is more than enough to make the playoffs, and it's just about fine-tuning those opportunities in the second half to limit, limit, limit opponents and their ability to really mold a comeback. 100%. I mean, this kind of goes into that second key as well. I mean, can it be sustainable? And it's kind of the only you know, dark cloud hovering over the Dolphins right now. You mentioned the special teams and, you know, we got block punts. We got these turnovers for touchdowns. I mean, when is it going to end and how are they going to overcome this? We see the offense continuing to open up and you mentioned it. They jump out to quick starts the last three weeks. They, I think they have 23 points in the first half and then they just take their foot off the gas. And, you know, we sit here and we say it's not sustainable, but they're on a five game win streak. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, when you look at it from an outsider's perspective and, you know, we've all seen the game of football for how many years, you know, this isn't sustainable. You, you know, history says it isn't, but Brian Flores and them, uh, you know, they might feel differently, you know, when they have that lead in the second half with the defense and how well they're playing and how they're on eight and how they're able to get at the quarterback, because once they have that lead that they continue to jump out too early, that's when they're bringing the heat. That's when the offense has to play from behind and the dolphins, you know, you're kind of playing with how money. Like we'd say, you know, they can bring the heat. They can, they can take a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a risk because, you know, they have that, that lead to, to hang on to. So we need to see it in the second half. We need to see them continue to, to put their foot on the gas, but I still just feel like we can sit here and we can say until we're blue in the face, it's not sustainable, but until, you know, they go out there and we see someone prove to the, to Brian Flores and this team that it isn't, I, I don't know that that's true because I mean, the way we see them jumping out to that early lead, the way we see Tua managing the game and, you know, not making mistakes, not turning the football over, which like you said, it's eventually going to happen. But there was a play early on in that game last week where he threw the ball. I think it was third and one, nothing was open. He didn't panic and he threw the ball out, out you know, he threw the ball away. They came out and kicked the field goal. I mean, he's starting to realize that he doesn't have to do too much. And that's kind of how that injury happened in, in college. You just want him to be able to keep on the gas. And especially from Changeli, I mean, maybe he doesn't want to open up this offense. Maybe he doesn't want to show some of these teams what they're capable of, because I don't think anyone truly knows what this offense is capable of. I don't think that's we've seen point. what this offense, you know, is going to look like when they are hopefully competing for that division up there in Buffalo. So uh, I a hundred percent agree. It's not sustainable. Eventually they're going to come back down to earth and the team's going to make them pay for, you know, playing, conservative football but uh you gotta love the way they're they're going out there and making it work for now anyway absolutely and yeah like i said it's just something you want to see is just that you know the ability to melt that clock in the second half and you know i think they'll live with being out yardaged on any given week if it means a win i, I still can't believe people made a grip about that but before we get into our game prediction uh my key player josh is again i'm going a little weird with this i don't know if it's a key player but it's just something i'd like to see more of just to see this team start to really grow as a better team as a better all-around unit you know we know what they're floor is we know what they're capable of let's see how high we can go let's see if the dolphins can remain in the top five power week rankings in order to do that I'd like to see improvement from the chemistry between Devontae Parker and Tua Tungafaloa. I'm not saying Devontae Parker has played bad, and I'm not blaming him for barely, barely missing one of the best uh, touchdowns in probably the last five years. 
But what I'm saying is he missed five targets against the Jets. He caught two receptions on seven targets last week. There was one play that stood out to me where uh, Tua kind of shot a rocket uh, Parker's way, and he didn't even, like, look around for it, and, and he kind of just ran into his defender, and the play was over. Those are little things that really focus on team chemistry. Every game isn't going to be a cakewalk, and you're not going to be able to really have games where he missed five targets, right? Whoever it is, Tua or Devontae, you can't have those games with – Preston Williams had these same sort of gripes in terms of just uh, hollow targets. Every game, you know, we're going to keep screaming this. I mean, the Chiefs are on the horizon eventually. Every game is going to be a cakewalk. I'd like to see the chemistry grow between these guys because there are going to be times late in games, late in the season, playoffs, where there's going to be a third and seven that the Dolphins need to convert, and everyone's going to know that Devontae Parker is going to be the guy. And it's going to have to just work. I, I, it could simply work now, but i just like to see that kind of happen on a more consistent basis. Like I said, I don't know if this is a key player as much as I'd like to see something more of, but that's what I'm going with for this week against Denver. Yeah, no argument there. I mean, he's number one. He needs to go out there, and you want to see more of a rapport from them. And, I mean, to just to kind of, you know, maybe use an example as to how that chemistry is there. I mean, remember that botch snap at his foot where, you know, Tua just didn't even really look and just mm-hmm. threw it up to Devontae Parker. So they do have some chemistry. I'm excited to see where that can go. Um, for me, and we kind of already touched on this, but it's Savin Ahmed. I mean, Jordan Howard's now gone, and we're still uncertain how much Matt Breida and DeAndre Washington will be involved. Uh, I think it's safe to say, you know, he's been Miami's best running back this season. I mm-hmm. think that's crazy, you know, and it's only been two games, but his 22 touches, 90 yards, and a touchdown, that was impressive last week. And another matchup against, you know, I mean, Vic Fangio, he's considered one of the best defensive minds in football. No, he is not in that same tier as Flores, but, you know, they're going to throw some looks at Tua. They're, they're going to try to confuse him in the way we did Herbert. You're going to need to use Salvin Ahmed. You're going to have to rely on that run game because that's the way that you, you know, keep defenses honest. And, I mean, it goes back to the second half, and that's kind of why he is the most important player to me because they need to get those points. They need to continue to move the ball in the second half in order to prevent that inevitable, you know, that inevitable – the inevitable pressure situation where, you know, the Broncos end up miraculously coming back in the fourth quarter, and it's because the Dolphins inevitably left them hang around. So I think it's going to be Salvin Ahmed. I think he's absolutely the running back one moving forward, you know, until further notice. And as long as he can continue to get better in pass protection, continue to run the football effectively, I think he will be that guy. So I think Salvin Ahmed, I think, you know, this is that big game that we need to expect from him. And if the Dolphins want to continue to win these games and, you know, continue to stay in the hunt, they're going to have to rely on him down the stretch. Yeah, and, you know, our listeners got to be used to it at this point. I mean, game predictions, Josh. How are you not taking the Dolphins here? I'm, I'm going Dolphins 27-10 to 10 over the Broncos. I think they probably can get out to a 17-point lead in that first half. Uh, basically, in that second half, they're really, you know, maybe kick a field goal, score a touchdown. But generally speaking, they're worried about melting that clock. And I like that focus. I love that idea of playing football where you're competing against the clock, not only the opposing team. And like I said at the top, it's, it's just as simple as you can't get punched in the mouth by these big plays that really ignites that Broncos offense. But like I said, Dolphins 27-10, we'll have another victory Monday and we'll be feeling good about ourselves. Yeah, I think we're going to have another victory Monday. I think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring. I think, you know, we can sit here and say it's not sustainable to get these block punts and these pick sixes, but I think it's going to happen. You're and feeling I, don't it? Care if it's, I don't care if it's Drew Locke. I don't care if it's Scotty Rippon. I think the Dolphins are going to win this game 34-17 um, in a convincing fashion, and I think it's going to be a complete game from all three phases. And like you said, another another victory Monday, another victory Tuesday. And, and what more can you ask for? You know, the Dolphins will be, what, 7-3, and three, six games to go. Division wide open. How juicy is that? I love you're sitting here counting your chickens. Uh, worth noting, the Eagles are bringing in Jordan Howard for a visit. So so that's worth noting as we wrap up the show here. God. 
<laughs> make it stop. <laughs> Josh, you know, I'm excited for this opportunity. This is the first week. I think I'm feeling confident. I think the Herbert was that, but well, is it for real? Is it really real? But this week, you know, we're, we, like every week, we could look like fools on Monday when the Dolphins somehow get blown out and, and reality comes crashing down. But I don't think that's going to be the case. And I'm excited for it. I think it should be a fun game. I, I don't mind the 4 o'clock window. Guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been a blast. Uh, it's been another exciting episode of the Finsider Radio. If you like what you're listening to, be sure to hit that subscribe button, leave a review. And if you send that to either of us on Twitter, you get entered in to win a free Cheeks jersey. And, you know, we love to send it to you, specifically you. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. So be sure to hit that subscribe button. Send it to us on Twitter at either jmendel94 or at Houts. Thank you guys for listening. We're looking forward to an exciting matchup against the Denver Broncos this weekend. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up, baby. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins.